This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hi, I'm Vishen Lakiani, founder of Mind Valley, the school for human transformation. You're listening to the Mind Valley podcast, where we'll be bringing you the greatest teachers and thought leaders on the planet to discuss the world's most powerful ideas and personal growth for mind, body, spirit, and work. Hi, everyone. Welcome to a unique episode of the Mind Valley podcast. This is what we call a reverse interview. Every now and then, I have a thought leader somewhere in the world interview me on a subject for their program or their podcast. I get permission to reshare it here. And this is a way for you to get to know a unique aspect of my mind as questioned or interviewed by a different thought leader. So today's person interviewing me is this wonderful man, Dawa Tarchin Phillips. He is brilliant, a 25-year expert in mindfulness and meditation. He's the co-founder and former director of education of the University of California, Santa Barbara Center for Mindfulness and Human Potential, where his work is on the cognitive, effective, and academic benefits of secular mindfulness training on school kids. He's also the executive director and founding board member of the International Mindful Teachers Association. Dawa and I know each other because we both serve in the Transformational Leadership Council. Now, in this interview, we're going to talk about the definition of transformation. What does it mean to say someone has gone through a transformation? And when you understand the power of transformation, you get to see how you can spark it in a more rapid, effective way in your life. So we're going to go on a wild journey from Buddhism to Martin Luther King, to theories of suffering, to research at Google, to political activism, to awakened states. It's going to be fairly deep, fairly intense, and I think it's going to blow your mind. So let's get started. And this is the Mind Valley Podcast. Mission, welcome to the Mindful Leadership Tribe. Thank you, Dawa. Honored to be here. Mission, so the book did really well that you wrote, The Code of the Extraordinary Mind. In the book, you spoke about 10 rules a person can do to, for lack of a better word, hack themselves. You compare the mind with a hardware and a software operating system. Tell us a little bit about that and also tell us a little bit about your background. Like, how did you come to focusing on the mind as the place where you wanted to spend your career and where you wanted to make an impact in the world? Well, I'll start this way. Google did a study of its top employees. Now, the study was cited by Salim Ismail in his book, Exponential Organizations. And what Google found is that their best people were not people, contrary to popular belief, who had a STEM education, science, technology, engineering, math. Rather, there were young people who had gone through some suffering and had emerged from that suffering as kinder, as wiser, as more humble. And what was really going on here is that these people 
we're going through what in transformation you would call a disorienting dilemma. It's that thing that comes and knocks you sideways. It shakes up your marriage. It shakes up your health. But you emerge from the other end of that with a greater awareness of why you're here and what you need to do in the world. So suffering often leads to meaning. And Viktor Frankl said the moment suffering is given meaning, it ceases to become suffering. What's going on there is that that suffering becomes an aid for growth. And so the human experience is about going through a certain form of suffering so that we can emerge on the other side as wiser, as better, as kinder, as gentler. But here's the funny thing, right? What if that suffering isn't necessary? What if there's a way to increase our rate of transformation, our rate of gaining new meaning, our rate of awareness without suffering? And that's really what the Code of the Extraordinary Mind is about. It's about how to bring in various tools from transformational theory to tools of connecting with other people, finding mentors, unique forms of meditation rooted in science that give you insight, give you inspiration, get you tapped in. So you don't have to go through the normal human travails of suffering. You come out constantly as a person who is evolving. And this evolution is what I guess you could call your rate of learning or your rate of evolution or your rate of transformation. And I believe that your rate of transformation is the number one thing that determines how successful you are in the world, how fulfilled you are in the world, and how you contribute to the world as a healthy part of our global society. So that's really what I'm obsessed with. Mind Valley's mission is to really, in a way, end suffering in the world. And to end suffering, you elevate consciousness. When you elevate consciousness, you turn people into dynamos of insight, creativity, and self-evolution. And when you create these dynamos and you connect them together, you create ripples that can help us create heaven on earth. Yeah, there's a lot in there in what you just said, you know. I think that we know more about happiness and you can say high performance for human beings maybe now than we've ever known in the history of humanity. And yet the knowledge and the tools still remain in the hands of a fortunate few, you can say. Obviously, the technology revolution, the internet has facilitated that that spreads further. But what do you find? You find that there's still a lot of pockets out there of people who crave this kind of knowledge. And do we have to do more to actually get the vitamins and the minerals into the extremities, well, let's say? Well, actually, it's already happening. Your goal, my goal, the goal of the Transformational Leadership Council is simply to act as an accelerant to help accelerate it. Remember Maslow's pyramid? You know, there's that level called love and belonging. People belong to tribes. People need to unite. People need to feel that they are part of something bigger. Love and belonging is cool, but love and belonging also has a dark side. People who rally around your president, Trump, despite the bullshit that he spews out, are not bad people, but their love and belonging need has been hijacked to believe that vilifying asylum seekers or building a border wall unifies them. Now, the way to change that is by elevating consciousness of politics, of our education, of our companies. Now, what is above love and belonging in Maslow's pyramid? It's self-esteem. And this is where many Americans play at. You do yoga because you want that cute butt. You study 
personal growth because you want that promotion at work. You learn public speaking so that other people will listen to your ideas. You learn leadership so you have power. That's self-esteem. But there's a level above that, self-actualization. Now, self-actualization is the next level of consciousness beyond self-esteem. So self-actualization simply says that you want to grow for the sake of growth itself. The great MBA professor, Sri Kumar Rao, who's one of the teachers on Mind Valley's platform, says that, you know, the biggest problem with Harvard and Stanford and all the Ivy League schools, they teach MBAs the wrong thing. They teach MBAs that it's about building the billion dollar business. And I asked him, well, what's wrong with that? And he said, here's what's wrong with that. It's never about the business. The point of life is personal growth. If your business hits a billion dollars, doesn't matter. Did you grow? If your business fails, doesn't matter. Did you grow? When you make your life about personal growth, about your self-evolution, everything else becomes nothing more, in his words, than a vehicle for your growth. So when everything else becomes a vehicle for your growth, life becomes so much more exciting and you are constantly evolving yourself. You're not just doing meditation, but you're taking care of your health. You're learning public speaking. You're constantly in a rate of evolution. When you do that, everything else in your life grows, your relationships, your business, everything that you were previously looking at for self-esteem doesn't matter anymore. They are nothing more than vehicles for your evolution. Your motivation has gone from extrinsic, am I being recognized by the boss? Will that girl give me a phone number? To intrinsic, I'm growing because this is me and this is who I'm destined to become. Now, when you get to that self-actualization level, something fantastic happens. You stop having to have your soul put you through suffering for growth because that's what the soul is doing. When you're too freaking stubborn to jump to the next level, something breaks down. But when you are already consciously moving yourself to that next level through study, through collaboration, through attending seminars, through meditation, to exploring the various practices of personal growth, you're no longer growing through suffering. You're growing through insight or acquired meaning. Our mutual friend, Michael Beckwith, also a member of the Transformational Leadership Council, says you can grow through kensho or pain, or you can grow through satori or insight. Your job as a human being is to move yourself into levels of existence where you grow through insight. And when that happens, that cycle is incredible. You start accelerating upwards. Everything else around you, your business, your love, your relationships, your health, all magnifies. And that is the level of self-actualization. You no longer do yoga because you care about the look of your butt. You do yoga and you explore all the different limbs of yoga because it is an expression of your own spirituality. And that's the next level. So... I'll pause there, but I want you to know, for those listening, there's a level even higher. There's a level above. And that is the end game where I'm playing at. That's where I want to take American politics, American schools, American corporations, and the entire planet. Which really means operating from a level of self-mastery. And when you have understood that you don't need to grow through struggle, you can grow because you have surrendered to the active process of growing as your primary motivator in life. And so you and life really become one. You stop fighting with the process and you give yourself over in some way with devotion, with compassion, with a surrender 
in some way, and you maybe become the strongest version of yourself in the process. Exactly. And I'm going to read you a quote, because when you do this, this is what starts happening to your life. Let me just quickly pull up this quote. And the quote is from James Michener, and it says, the master in the art of living makes little distinction between his work and his play, his labor and his leisure, his mind and his body, his information and his recreation, his life and his religion. He hardly knows which is which. He simply pursues his vision of excellence at whatever he does, leaving others to decide whether he is working or playing. To him, he is always doing both. That describes self-actualization. A friend of mine, Jeff Bridges, the actor, he has coined this term, plorking, which he uses to say playing and working, you know, plorking. So I'm just going to pass this on, create a connection here a moment. Plorking, I like that. Jeff Bridges used to lecture at the University of Michigan, which is where I went to. Great guy. I've always known about your focus on education and the idea to reinvent higher education or maybe reinvent education in general, right? Education has a 50-year transformation cycle. It's extremely slow. You have dislocated, so to speak, the idea of education from a set of buildings where everybody has to go to year after year after year. And you've started this Mind Valley University that meets in different places all over the world. Can you share your thinking behind that? What your experience has been with that and also the vision that you're trying to accomplish with that? So Mind Valley itself is a massive platform for education, online and offline. Offline, in the real world, we are reinventing how university works. So our university is in four years in a bubble for 19-year-olds. It is transgenerational. All the ages come together, starting at six, all the way up to, I think our oldest participant is 83. And it's not four years. It's one month every year for 48 years. Just think about that for a moment. <laughs> And it moves. So imagine thousands of people moving to a city, retransforming the city into a campus, and then we bringing in the next ingredient, which is transformational education. You see, education today focuses on helping people attain self-esteem, helping people get that raise at the job, heck, helping people get a job. But in the world where AI is going to allow us to do in 10 minutes what we now do in eight hours, where robots are going to take over many jobs, where universal basic income is going to kick in globally. And Elon Musk said, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And when working hours are going to drop to 15 hours a week. What good is our traditional education, right? You cannot train human beings to be motivated by extrinsic values, because this is what is then going to happen. If we continue with our current education system, we're going to create a species of human beings who 20 years from now are going to be plugged into virtual reality machines, competing for badges and coins and exploring different worlds. And there's nothing wrong with that, but it's going to mess up our real physical world. What we want is to take education and move it up to create a species of human being that's focused on self-actualization. This means in the ample, abundant amount of time we will have 20 years from now, when working hours drop to 15 hours a week, we're not plugged into virtual reality helmets. We are running marathons. We're climbing mountains. We are practicing yoga. We are in meditation. We are connecting with each other in community. And there's nothing wrong with VR. I'm a computer engineer. I've designed computer games. I love that stuff. 
but we don't want to use the essence of what it is to be human. And that essence is self-discovery. So this is how you shift education. You get schools to stop dabbling with the crap that they're teaching now. So Gitra Mitra, who won the TED Prize for Education, said, and I saw him speak to a group of teachers here in Malaysia, and he said, you know what I'd do if I was redesigning schools? I'd stop teaching kids math or geography or spelling. Who cares? Because by 2029, every child will have a smartphone with their own personalized artificial intelligence, and those skills no longer become relevant. Each human being in 2029 will have 100x the brain power because of their extended cell phone brain as you and I do today, each teenager. So what do we teach them? How do we teach them to apply that immense brain power? We stop screwing around with self-esteem-focused education and we move to self-actualization. As I said, there's a level above that, and that is the end game. And I'm waiting for you to ask me that question. Okay, I'm going to come at it this way, because there is something here that has to do with a profound identity shift, a profound redefining of how we think about ourselves. And the shift you're talking about, when somebody reaches that level of consciousness, requires not only the gaining of knowledge and skills, but also the giving up of things we think we know or things we've done a long time, right? It's an education and a de-education in some way. So I'm going to ask you this question. What is the additional level? But also what is required, let's say, for an ordinary human being who may still be developing their confidence, let's say, in a process like this to make that transition? voluntarily or involuntarily, because it's happening anyway, and the requirement somehow, the pressure somehow is mounting. Right. So the next level on Maslow's pyramid. So after Maslow published his pyramid, he went back and he said that he made a mistake. There's a level right at the top, and he calls it self-transcendence. And self-transcendence simply means you've gone beyond mere self-actualization to understand that one of the biggest reasons you're here is to serve others. I had Neil Donald Walsh speak once at Mind Valley University in Barcelona, and someone raised their hand and asked Neil, Neil, what do I do on those days when I just feel so sad and depressed and I can't pull myself out of bed? And Neil said, I want you to remember this. Your life is not about you. Rather, your life is about the people you serve. Your life is about the people whose lives you touch. When you walk into a room, set an intention, I will heal this room and make your life beyond you and you'll never wake up sad and depressed and lonely again. And that is what we're talking about, to get people to that level of service. When we are in that cycle of self-actualization, you cannot help but start moving up to the next level of Maslow, which is self-transcendence, to make your life more than just about your growth, but to collectively seek to grow humanity. And that is so important right now, Dawa. Right now, we are getting into a new structure of how human society works. We are more connected than ever, but we are so connected that individuality no longer functions in this world. In fact, individuality is downright dangerous. The epitome of individuality, selfish, me-only thinking is the president of the United States. And that's dangerous for the planet. A single country today cannot fix global warming. A single country today cannot fix the refugee crisis. A single country today cannot close their freaking borders and build a dumb wall and cut off 
others who are seeking help by coming in, or other countries that want to trade. It's a recipe for disaster. We, according to the great blogger Tim Irvin, who writes the blog Wait But Why, have moved into the genesis of a new species called the human colossus, a giant mega-human made up of 8 billion cells. You and me are two of those cells. Your listeners are each a cell. And human beings today are cells in this larger body. Call it Gaia. Call it the human earth. But the fact is, we can be programmed to be a cancerous cell or a healthy cell. Cancer cells don't know they're cancer cells. They think they're just humming along, doing their job, but they're poisoning and destroying the greater body that they're part of. And when you move to self-actualization and then self-transcendence, many people wake up and realize, oh shit, I've been a cancer cell. Here's what I mean. Think about a company like Coca-Cola. It takes high fructose corn syrup, markets it as happiness in a can. It ran advertisements to convince people that tap water in many cities in America was unhealthy. So you have to buy these plastic bottled water. You know what percentage of plastic bottles get recycled in America right now? 5%. The rest end up in landfills or the Pacific Ocean. So you have a company which employs hundreds of thousands of people, pays them 30% above market rates to forget that ultimately they have become cancer cells. Some of the best and brightest people in America work for companies that are poisoning their fellow human beings with high fructose corn syrup, with junk food, with shit that you don't need. I spent my teenage years in America. I remember when I was rushing to a class and I needed breakfast, what did I eat? A Pop-Tart. I mean, when these things are emerging in our society, when we are working in jobs solely so that we can raise some company profit while producing crap that poisons our human body, we're not operating as healthy cells. And this is why it's so important to elevate human consciousness. The best and brightest people in this world can no longer afford to be working for crap companies. They need to be working to solve global problems. They can no longer be supporting politicians who have so little vision that they have to put out division to win votes. And that's really what it means to elevate that consciousness to self-transcendence, to turn people into human beings who are willing to take a stand and fight for a better world. Sorry, I know I got off on a tangent there, but no. that's really what this is about. You can tell I'm passionate about this. I can. And I actually wanted to give you a little more opportunity to expand on it because your company and your work is beginning to focus on organizational culture transformations. A lot of people spend so much time at work the organization itself as a transformational vehicle or an organ for transformation is coming online, you can say. Yeah? So what are you hoping to accomplish in helping organizations change culture to actually be able to support this kind of accelerated process for human consciousness? Mm -hmm. And then the other thing is, you know, the shift towards activism. You made that consciously. We talked at TLC and... Is it a time that this, not self-actualized, but self-transcendent being also understands the significance of activism? Would mm -hmm. you mind expounding on that a little? When you move to self-transcendence, it is important that you start standing up for our common values. When you get to self-transcendence, it's important that 
you are also growing in terms of what Ken Wilber calls your stages of awareness, that you've moved from ethnocentric to world-centric to cosmocentric, which means your compassion has expanded to include all human beings. Because let me tell you something, the Nazis, they had values, they were standing up for something, but their values were corrupted because they were operating at what Wilbur might call an ethnocentric. They were nice to their own people, but if you were outside that Aryan circle, you would be annihilated. So it's not just about standing up. First, you've got to expand what Charles Darwin called one's diffusion of sympathy to go beyond their individual tribe and nation to all people of planet Earth. And Darwin in 1872 predicted that this would slowly happen across the human species. So first, you must get people to understand that you are not an American. No, it is one of your many identities. You are a member of the human species first. You are a citizen of planet Earth first. Then you are an American. Then you are a Jew. Then you are a Muslim. If you confuse that, if you say I'm an American first, you risk falling prey to nationalistic ideas and forgetting that, heck, if an existential crisis like global warming hits, it hits all of us. And you also end up voting for politicians who can tap into that corrupted sense of identity and get you to give them votes even though they don't deserve it, despite the shenanigans that they do. Trump being a prime example. Now, Martin Luther King said something very important. And if you understand this, you understand why when you go to self-transcendence, you have to stand up for something. Luther said, power without love is reckless and abusive. Donald Trump represents power without love. Many politicians represent power without love. But he also said, love without power is sentimental and anemic. Many people in the personal growth movement have love without power. They don't take a stand. They are afraid to speak their mind. They sit back and let what's happening in the world today happen. But the final part of that quote by MLK was this, power at its best is love implementing the demands of justice. So let me pull up the full quote and read it to you. Power at its best is love demanding the demands of justice. And justice at its best is power correcting everything that stands against love. When you get to self-transcendence, you got to merge the circles of power, love, and justice. Justice at its best is your power correcting anything that stands against love. And that love comes from the Darwinian model of diffusion of sympathy. What are you doing to stand up for LGBT rights? What are you doing to support the asylum seekers at the border? What are you doing to call out the president when he makes another pathological lie? What are you doing to stand up for the 1% of Americans who are behind bars? Many of them innocent. Many of them made crimes and have evolved and grown, but are still behind freaking metal bars. What are you doing for kids, you know, who are not getting the right education they need? And so the world needs a giant dose of wake the fuck up <laughs> and to move beyond self-esteem to actualization, to self-transcendence. And honestly, that's what Mind Valley is about. Wonderful. I look forward to working together. There is something here, when I hear you speak and what you're quoting about Martin Luther King, I find that the relationship with power is ambivalent for many people who have otherwise the right intentions and also the right understanding. Is it about integrity or why do you think so many people that would otherwise have the heart at the right place 
shy away from actually embracing the power that is required right now to make the significant changes we need. You know, you said sometimes it's about growing, it's about forgetting. It's actually not about forgetting. If you study integral theory, it's about enfolding levels of awareness. So we got to keep the love and identity, right? You got to have love and identity for your culture, for your country. You got to then expand to self-esteem. You do want to be successful in your job. You do want to be recognized, but then you've got to expand above that and go for self-actualization. So you have not just extrinsic motivators, but intrinsic motivators. Then you add on self-transcendence, like the levels of the onion. You're not destroying the inner level of the onion. You're simply adding more levels to it. And so you expand outwards. What happens is many people stay at one level. They stop expanding. And what I just shared is simply the model for human needs. There's also a model for the human heart. And that model is what Ken Wilber calls going from ethnocentrism, which is 70% of the world today, to cosmocentrism. And that model really represents your circle of love. Or rather, I call it the circle of we. Who do you define as we? W-E. Is we simply your religion? Is we simply your country? Is we all the human beings in the world? Is we all the human beings plus all life in the world? And as you grow in your circle of we, that is crucial because you have to grow in terms of your diffusion of sympathy using Darwin's language. So your sympathy, your compassion embraces all life on the planet because then you start taking the right actions. From a completely different sense of self, really, you begin to act in a higher order of sustainability for the organism that is connected you. Right. So what we are doing at Mind Valley is to grow human beings in both of these areas, to raise their needs to self-transcendence. That means you're so taken care of, you're so good, your need is to help other people and to raise their levels of sympathy and compassion to encompass all life. That is the mark of a superhuman. That is where humanity needs to go. We don't produce courses on community leadership. Our programs are really designed for self-esteem. But here's the thing. That's because that's what the majority of people buy. People want to exercise so they look good. People want to meditate so they have a clear mind. But what happens is within our programs, we embed ideas that move you up. I'll give an example of what that means. As you go through Lisa Nichols' program on Mind Valley, which is on public speaking, you don't just learn public speaking. You learn how to use your voice to stand up for others. You learn how to turn your past suffering into a story that you can use to teach someone else a lesson so they don't have to go through the same suffering. So you see, people will buy a public speaking program. No one is going to buy a self-transcendence program, but we elevate people. We meet people at what the current education tells them they need, but we slowly elevate them. So there's really a hidden recipe within everything we do. And that's how Valley works. Simply go to mindvalley.com and all the information is there. And if you're a business, you can always write to business at mindvalley.com and we're happy to have someone get back to you. We just started our business division less than a year ago, but it's been growing ridiculously fast. It's good to see you. I know you have a tour coming up, so good luck and see you very soon. Thank you, Dawa. Lakiani, and this is the Mind Valley Podcast.
If you like the Mind Valley podcast, take the next step. Become a Mind Valley member. Imagine being coached daily by the greatest teachers on the planet. How quickly would you transform your health, your mindset, your body, your relationships? How quickly would you double the size of your company? How quickly would you see your career grow? How quickly would you eliminate any limiting belief that's holding you back and manifest a life that you once thought beyond your dreams? When you become a member, you don't just get access to the greatest education in the world. You become part of a community of 150,000 of the most incredible people dedicated to personal growth. Go to mindvalley.com forward slash now to get started.